0: the meat of the podcast like, have you ever have you ever caught your have you ever caught
1: your profile reflection in the mirror yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. Oh
0: yeah. Like a yeah yeah this is going to be disaster. yeah yeah yo, yo, this shit feels like i won't ever make it more. From Brooklyn and St. Petersburg, this is She's in Russia, I'm Smith. And I'm Lily.
2: What is today's episode about? Okay, I'm just going to launch right into this, baby. So today we're talking about what people have been referring to as the trash protests in Moscow Oblast. Basically, that refers to protests happening and generally, like, a movement happening in several small towns around Moscow. There's at least nine towns that I know of. And people have been fighting with local officials basically to deal with two main trash-related and ecologically-related problems. One is the effects of existing urban landfills, landfills that that exist in or near these small cities around Moscow. And the other issue, the other problem is the proposed construction of incineration plants, waste incineration plants, also known as waste to energy plants, mm. also in and around these cities. Okay. OK, so people have been demanding the closure of the existing landfills since as early as 2013, as as far as my records show, my research, and we'll get to that date later. But very recently, since late December 2017 slash January 2018, beginning of this year, this issue has become more prominent and more visible, namely surrounding the Yadrova landfill in a town called Volokolamsk, and that's the one that, if you read Medusa in English, you may have noted, and other independent media have been covering that landfill the most, Yadrova. So what is the reason for this like recent resurgence around the trash protests? In the summer of 2015, a bunch of landfills were closed and it made it so that the ones that exist, the ones that remained, got overfilled and overused and there's to just be like a crisis situation basically. Like, So you're getting like noxious gases coming into towns and complaints like health issues kids getting sick because of this so it's like a real like critical problem april 14th this past saturday was the birthday of the moscow region's governor Andrei varbyov and in honor of his birthday several of these cities around moscow held protests that day against the trash problem overall Mm -hmm. okay so i this saturday took a train to moscow actually friday night to go to one of these protests and i went to one in a town called Lobnya. wait before you go i tell i know you wanted to tell me something about the train so tell me about the train okay well okay so i learned something this trip there's a couple of things i learned first of all so i took an overnight train from petersburg to moscow which i've done several times and i've always taken the like plebe style (laughs) the one we took which is like called Platzkart, um, which is very German-sounding. It's like, Platzkart. like,
0: this is where you go.
2: This is where you go and smell sausages all night. Like, don't do anything else. Um, and, like, feet and snoring. For some reason, it's like the plebs have to snore a lot and, like, eat sausages. They, like, have to do these, like, repulsive things. So I, like, have been in what's called a coupe before, but I, like, don't remember it. It was, like, back in the day. A coupe is a enclosed Which, of course, sounds French. yes. <laughs> coupes where you have lovely things like slippers. But <laughs> well, this time there were like very few tickets left so I had to get a coupe because it was the only thing left. And I like basically was not expecting the level of luxury, the lap of luxury I was thrown into <laughs> because it was like it's a it's a room with four bunk with two bunk beds right on either side so it's still four beds in like one compartment and it's like really close quarters and i was there with like three fully grown men <laughs> but, but but despite that they do the <laughs> yeah seriously Clamp-shot. i talked to you on the phone and like explained the situation i was like heaving and huffing and puffing and coming in there because i was running late as usual and i like just made the train. I was like, hello, is this the right cabin? And they were like, yes, <laughs> please sit down and be quiet like everyone else. <laughs> um, but anyway, I was like really blown away by the level of luxury because each person gets a little packet with like slippers, a toothbrush, <sighs> toothpaste, um, a snack pack separately with water. Amazing. Like water and Russia being provided to for free is really crazy. Was, oh, and the oh my God, this is the main thing to focus on remember when you we made the beds yeah in the platz yeah. car? remember what that was like <laughs> it was horrible <laughs> It was horrible. <laughs> you have this thing that is like supposed to be a mattress that's really like a pa- like a pallet. It's like a horrible pallet that's rolled up and you have to put a sheet on it, which is insane because you're surrounded by other people and you're like supposed to reach over them and put the sheet
0: on this pallet. You're standing on like the lady's bunk below yours and then like Lily yells at you because you're not supposed to stand on her bunk. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, how are you supposed to make them? <laughs>
2: on the top bunk you have to be very careful about like the politics of stepping on the bottom bunk so that's what we were dealing with and it's like you yeah you have to like put the sheet on then you have to put like the duvet cover on the blanket and then you have to put the pillow on the pillow it's like horrible it's a horrible thing I hate making beds in general but like making beds in close quarters with other people next to you is just like yeah the worst and this is so amazing because they provide a first of all they provide a like fresh blanket that is covered already for you and then you all, you're, there's, you're sitting on a bench and I was on the bottom bunk and if you're on the bottom bunk you literally I swear to god press a button oh. basically you pull a lever you pull you pull a lever and the bed folds down and it's already made. <laughs> and it's just like hello <laughs> I'm here for you it's like it's amazing okay so that's my anecdote so anyway so now you know I took a train to Moscow and I took a train to go to one of those protests that I was just talking about way back then and I went to a town called Lobnia, which I had never heard of until that day or until the day before. It's about an hour's drive north of Moscow city center. How many people live there? Do you know? 88,220 people live there as of this year, okay. according to Wikipedia. So I was extremely lucky, like ridiculously dumb lucky to be accompanied by two professionals, companions. And I'll let them introduce themselves.
3: Uh, my name is Paramonova Natalia and uh, I'm a journalist uh, and um, we are driving to Lodnia to f- find somebody who can tell us about this of uh, meeting, meeting? Yeah, you know, protest. protests. Uh, I hope we will luck <laughs> <laughs> and uh, be safe after this. <laughs> Hello, my name is Tanya Lanchina. I am a researcher. I do research in the sphere of
2: economics of renewable energy. And today I am our driver. Yeah, so that is Natasha Paramonova. It's very cute how she said her name backwards, but she's like did it a formal way, like Paramonova Natas- Natalia. Natalia. Natasha is short from Natalia. Okay, so that's Natasha Paramonova, Moscow-based journalist, and Tanya Lanchina, as she said, a researcher in renewable energy and the person whose car we used okay so we arrived at this little town and the the protest is taking place in the town's main square which is like i doesn't look like a main square it's just a tiny thing and it's it's on the steps of their culture house Kulturi. i don't know how to exactly translate that but it's like a soviet thing that every town has you know like a center like a community center and around there are these like hushovki looking apartment buildings apartment buildings even though it's surrounded by like fields and it's like a very rural town. People live in apartment buildings, cause it's Russia. It's like really weird looking though because like you have these Khrushchevki and then you have like a big open field with like an ancient looking wooden church in it. We walk up to this protest and we kind of walk up like we're facing the culture house. So we're facing the like, what basically is a make- makeshift stage. Um, people standing on the steps of the culture house and there are like cops standing around the perimeter And there's maybe like, I would estimate 50 to 100 people there. Not a lot of people. Mm -hmm. They're all semicircled around the steps of the Coulter House. And people are giving speeches on a megaphone. Different people. It's like random people, organizers, activists, local politicians. One of the most notable characters I saw giving a speech on stage, was this guy wearing a black beret and holding a balalaika. (laughs) That's the guy you saw a picture (laughs) of. And he had a special message for the dear Governor Vorobyov on his birthday.
4: What do I want to say? Today, Governor Vorobyov gave us two really unpopular ideas. The first idea is to build trash incineration plants in the Moscow obelisk. He says, don't worry, it's fine. It'll be ecological plants. The second idea is to elect him for a second term. He says, don't worry, it'll be an ecological governor. I have a proposal, a business proposal. Somebody already spoke about Barvika, but I have a better idea. If the governor of Moscow Oblast is going to try to convince people that the air is going to be better than right now overall, then how about we do this? If the first trash incinerating plant is built, then every morning take the smoke from the chimney, put it into an air tank, strap that on the governor and let him breathe that air exclusively. That way either the trash incinerating plant will be shut down or the governor will be shut down. Either way, all will be well. And as today is the governor's birthday, we would like to wish him a happy birthday. And now the amateur activist song and even a little dance Ensemble of the People's Chamber presents our oppositional ditty, comrades.
2: So, Mr. Balalaika told us there was a ditty, and I wouldn't want to spare you the joy of hearing said ditty.
3: After a bit of
2: listening to the speeches on stage and the ditties uh, me and natasha went to speak with some of the people running the protest we first noticed one of those people whose name is diana yakovleva because she was really pretty and blonde <laughs> and <laughs> she was in like a trench coat and looked like a newscaster. And the <laughs> Really funny thing is that we first noticed her because she was using a GoPro to do a live broadcast with Dost, TV uh, Rain. Okay, okay. She was like, she's like holding the GoPro above her. And the someone we were talking to was like, oh, that's Dost. And I, we thought she was Dost. And we're like, oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so it turns out she's Diana and she is not from Dost, but she is the deputy of Lobnia from the Jabloka party. Do you remember that party in the elections? Mm-hmm. I sure do. Yeah. So she's from that party. She's also, in addition, a pro bono lawyer for this ecological organization that we heard a lot of at the protest called Princip, which means principal. Okay. But yeah, so she's a lawyer also before being a deputy. Basically, we heard from her that there's no plans to build a trash incineration plant directly in Lobnia in that town. It would be built in like a the settlement that's called. Gabovskova, it's between Lobnit and another town north of it. So it's like about 30 minutes outside of Lobnit, potentially, right? We also learned from her that she's basically like the go to, at least according to her, she's the go to ecological person for the town and potentially the region because she does pro bono for this princip organization. And like since becoming a deputy, like the year before, she has been doing a lot of projects that relate to ecology in some way. Like recently, she protected a forest from some commercial building project. So it's not just the trash thing. Towards the end of the interview, she, she basically gave us like the meat of her position on this whole trash topic. And she told us about her dream for the city of Lopnia.
3: А вообще в целом по городу у меня есть идея, даже не идея, это нормальная вещь, которая уже давно реализовывается в Европе. Это вести раздельный сбор. То есть, в принципе, город не такой большой. Это вполне возможно сделать раздельный сбор и. И будут куда вывозить? Мне ну, если, например, взять сбор макулатуры. В Москве по-моему, я мониторю около 100 пунктов приема макулатуры. Для них это бизнес, а для нас это избавление от мусора лишнего. Сбор пластика уже давно организован. Вот этот микрорайон, он самый благополучный, на мой взгляд, здесь, потому что люди сами, ну, они жители Москвы, сюда приезжают как бы чаще всего, как на дачу. Ну, и есть, конечно, те, которые постоянно живут здесь. Они уже давно раздельно собирают мусор, сами вывозят в Москву или еще куда-то. То То есть я общалась с ними, они достаточно сознательно So she's like,
2: I have this idea. Actually, people have been doing it in Europe for a while. It's called trash separation. (laughs) Recycling. Well, yeah, but it's very important that it's not recycling. We will get to that later because there's two separate things here. There's разделный сбор мусора, which is literally the separate collection of trash. And there's переработка мусора, which is the recycling or like re um, any process. It's like a processing. Pro- it's a process. But she's basically like, yeah, I have this idea. That's like my dream for the city is to make this initiative that like people will start separating trash. She, talk- she talks about how like there's already this sort of economy in place, especially with paper collection. So it's like scrap paper. For some reason, there's a separate word in Russian for that. Do we have a word for that? Scrap paper, I guess. Yeah, scrap paper. She's like, yeah, people make money off it. But if you like collect that paper, you can give it to people who will who like will pay for it or like make money off it somehow. Kind of like cans or something. Yeah, but with paper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Get um, it's paper. Um, <laughs> and apparently, she said that the people of Lomnia already collect plastic. And she was also talking about how there's like a whole scene of people who don't live in Lobna they live in Moscow and like with the Dacha thing they come and they like hang out in in Lobna hopefully not only <laughs> in the Um and that they are like really you know like aware ecologically and a lot of them including the people who live there are like really driven and are like and some people who like live in Moscow will take their garbage back to Moscow with them etc mm. so okay she's like people are motivated and she just like to follow up on her dream, said that she has been... Last week, she had just spoken to the head of the city about her trash-separating dream and that he was interested in the idea. And, like, she thinks people are ready for it, so she seemed, like, pretty optimistic. Okay. So we talked to another activist-slash-organizer whose name is Alexander Gavrilin. He said he'd been an activist doing activisty work since 2004. As soon as we started interviewing him he immediately launched into this story of the Kulakovsky Landfill, which apparently is a massive landfill in the Chekhov region. Chekhov is like another suburb of Moscow to the south.
5: Почему раньше-то прятались, а сейчас не прячутся? Одеваться некуда. Десятки жалоб во все надзорные органы, что они не исполняют личный прием, который у них внесен как обязанность. И в том числе вот те митинги, куда мы сегодня приезжаем, мы пикетируем, мы митингуем, но не ради митинга, не ради протеста, а ради того, чтобы привлечь внимание. И вот такой крайней формы была голодовка на полигоне ТБУ Кулаковский. Голодали люди, привлекли к себе внимание, полигон в итоге был закрыт. Почему Ядрово получил такой резонанс, а вот про Кулаковскую голодовку я вот... Ну... Резонанс был огромный, более сотни публикаций во всех всевозможных СМИ, включая иностранные, такие как французский Figaro, немецкий Билд. Просто, видимо, вы не отслеживали, но у нас летом очень был большой резонанс, и мы вообще были основоположниками вот этого экологического движения. По полигону ТБО Кулаковский мы воевали порядка 5-6 последних лет.
2: So he tells us that from June 1st, 2017 to August, so last summer, people in Chekhov were doing hunger strikes in protest of this Kulakovsky landfill. And that because of the hunger strikes they did that summer, it was it was finally closed this ending this past summer you said right yeah ending in august okay. of 2017 and he was saying that this is this was a process though that they have been going through for like a couple of years and there had been like these incidents with the school there's a there's a distance like the legal limit uh, and, and it was like too close to the landfill and because of that like he was reporting he was saying kids were getting sick kids would faint while they were in class and like basically have all these symptoms of whatever like noxious gas poisoning or something so, so like very similar to what was happening with the Yadrova landfill yeah? yeah yeah sounds very similar like the children are getting sick but this was going on and on and on for a couple of years he said and he made a point of mentioning that we're not just here at this meeting today and we don't just protest in general just for the sake of protest. He said that. But he said, we do it to attract attention and that's what we did with Kulakowski and that worked. Like we did the hunger strikes and it worked and we got some kind of result from it. Mm -hmm. And then Natasha asks specifically about Yadrova like to compare the two and sort of says like, well, I feel like Yadrova is getting all this media attention right now. How come I never heard about this Kulikovsky starvation (laughs) strike and Gavrilin's like well you clearly weren't paying attention because we actually were in all of the papers and hundreds of papers wrote about us and he like goes on he like starts listing like international newspapers that wrote about them but apparently yeah they got a lot of press in the summer according to him of 2017 so yeah it's kind of like a yadra like model model before yadra
0: yeah, except like, are they? I don't think they're doing hunger strikes in Yadrova, are they?
2: Or maybe they are. I don't know. I haven't heard of hunger strikes like yet there, but they're doing a lot of crazy shit there, so probably we'll get to that. But Gavrilen was explaining to us to us that he had dealt with other problems. Like once they closed this Kulikovsky landfill, it w- there were like other issues that were happening in the region. Like there was water pollution, and people were sort of constantly protesting. Have been constantly protesting for years specifically around ecological issues. And so he's saying like we're doing that, we're protesting again like we need to do this to to show the officials, the powers that be that there is like a real need for a whole different system for like restoring the land and not just like building more shit on it. And he says that there is a official public chamber of the Moscow region, some kind of official body that is supposedly dealing with these issues or is supposed to deal with these issues but those people are all bureaucrats who don't know anything about ecology and are just like receiving all the forms or something and like filing them who knows what they're doing yeah um <laughs> <laughs> like one more
0: file <laughs> like <laughs> fat A little like, whistling yeah it's horrible
2: away so at one point natasha asks Gavrilin. After he's explaining all this, like these, like horror stories that he lived through the, since 2004, she asks him, "Well,
4: why don't you just move away from there?"
5: Where?
4: That's my question. Where to move? You move to the same neighborhood in Volokolomsk and you get the Yadrova landfill. You move to Balashika, and you get the Kuchina landfill. You move to Nara, Fominsk, and you get the Timukava landfill. Nothing changes unless you approach this holistically. And as I just said at the meeting, according to the third article of the Constitution, we are the singular source of power. Therefore I, as a power, as a, a citizen of Russia, like you and all those present here, why should I have to move away from my beloved Chekhov municipal district that has turned into the urban municipality of Chekhov? I want to stay there and I want to bring about orders specifically in the municipality that I live in. If the number of activists like me goes from being 5 or 10 in every municipality to hundreds, then we simply won't have these kinds of problems. Speaking of examples of other cities, there
2: was another protester at this rally. This was just a regular participant who came up on the those steps to to give a speech. and at one point he addressed the crowd regarding a totally other region where there was already a trash incineration plant. I think that what he said was Tomsk, but it's difficult to hear, and this is what I like I showed I showed this clip. To a Russian, and they didn't understand what he was saying either. But let's just say, <laughs> for for our purposes, it's Tomsk. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> and
0: wait, what? I feel like Tomsk came up at some other point.
2: Did it? Yeah. I mean, it's like one of the, it's like Yukutsk Like you probably heard about it. Yeah. But I don't okay. know what we heard about it for, because I don't know what it's well known for. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's factories in it has a has a trash incineration plant. You probably heard of the opening. <laughs> Okay, so he talks about the example of that city. The
1: second moment, in Kosinov-Ktomsk, where the fire extinguisher factory is, for five years, the growth рост the oncological disease four times. The growth of cancer four times. You understand, in Kosinov-Ktomsk, we the head of the the губернатору Воробьёву о том, что мусоросжигательные заводы это абсолютный безурект. Кто-то верит ему? Единственная возможность, которую я сейчас вижу, как бороться с этим, к сожалению, митингами пока не удаётся эту проблему решить, хотя безусловно, их продолжать надо So he's
2: describing how in, in this city, uh, in Tomsk, where there's already a trash incineration plant, he says in the past five years since the plant was built, the official number of cancer cases has increased by 4%. No, four times, he says. There are four times as many cancer cases in the past five years. And he's like, we have all the official documentation and talk to the doctors. And he poses this question. He's like, okay, after knowing, hearing these statistics from me, do you believe that the governor, Varabyov is telling you the truth when he says that this new plant won't be harmful and then you hear the crowd being like no we don't believe no no and everyone says no you hear like a little a little kid being like no (laughs) yeah because he wants to he wants to be part of the crowd so this guy's conclusion basically is that this is a really harmful horrible idea there's no way to do this like the right way and he's he says like the only possibility he sees to solve this issue is not to protest, though he thinks we, that people should continue to protest, but what's actually going to solve the problem is to go to court. You can just sort of move away from like the megaphone area, and we would talk to people on the sidelines because people were speaking the whole time on stage. Um, and we talked to a man named Dmitry Trunin, who is both the chairman of Narodna Palata Translates that's the People's Chamber of Moscow Oblast. And he is a deputy, like Diana, he's a deputy, but he's a deputy of Solnichorsk. Nogorsk which is a city also north of Moscow, but a little more to the west than Lobnya. What is this Narodnaya palata we were, we were asked him, like, so you're the chairman of this thing. What is this thing? He said the People's Chamber of Moscow, the People's Chamber Chamber, is basically like a grassroots alternative organization to the official public chambers you have the people's chamber and the public chamber and the public chamber is those people that I referenced before who are supposed to be handling all the ecological issues and the issues of the city but are just like a bunch of bureaucrats who file things so and yeah, they're really good at filing. And Trunin, like, summed it up. He was like, so we created the people's chamber because the original, the official public chamber was created to oppress the people and the people's chamber was created to support the people <laughs> and their initiatives. <laughs> right, right. So that's his thing that he chairs. And he also, he works with that organ, that ecological organization, Princip. And so he launches into the story of another landfill called istrinsky And he says that... That was the first one that Princip closed, the first landfill they successfully closed back in 2013. So that's where I took the date of, like, this trash date start. So potentially it started earlier. Trunin tells us this entirely new solution to the region's problems with trash that up until that point we hadn't heard about.
5: Есть такое мнение, что каждый город в отдельности борется с собственной свалкой. А в общем, проблему никто не видит, и вот давайте двигать эти свалки.
1: Я был инициатором референдумов, я два раза поднимал этот вопрос. Референдум за раздельный сбор мусора, и два раза я предлагал референдум против заводов. This is a bit like of a like,
2: confusing move. But what Trunin just did was he explained to us that in addition to being, you know, like pro-separating trash as we've heard before and also against the trash incineration plant he is heading an initiative to build what he calls an ecologically safe trash incineration plant in a town called Barvika Barvika is just a little bit west of Moscow like, wait, how, big, how big is that town? Uh, Barvika is, is small it has about 4,000 people as of 2010, 4,000 is like really small compared to like 100,000, which we saw from Lopnia. So that's sort of his point. He's like, okay, first of all, this idea, this idea is cool because it's ecological. And secondly, it's cool because there's not that many people over there, even though it's not that far from the city, but like that, not that many people will suffer. And then (laughs) he said this winning sentence where he was like, well, why would we build this this plant in Nagorsk, when we can build it there. <laughs> <laughs> Your logic, sir. He's stunningly <laughs> flawless. Flawless. <laughs> it's like, what? Then Tanya, who, remember, is the, one of my companions, who is the renew, renewable energy researcher, she pipes in with a question for Trunin of how does he plan to solve the trash problem? And Trunin answers her that he is... He's really pro establishing trash separation in the city. And he's specifically not talking about recycling, but separation
1: We проблеми з мусором. У нас се час правительства ми сделали мітінг в поддержку референдума. Правительство Москвы нам запретило провести этот митинг в Москве, но они нам устроили встречу с министром экологии и министром социальных коммуникаций. У нас образована рабочая группа по раздельному сбору мусора, и мы сейчас внедряем. Я подал uh, заявку на президентский грант, и мы сейчас, uh, я во-первых в офисе собираю и принимаем макулатуру от населения. То есть у меня два офиса. В и два
2: he has this, this goal also of separating trash. The, the same goal as like. Diana. Same yeah. goal as Diana, yeah. But he says that if you remember Diana had mentioned like there were points that you could take your paper waste, your your scrap paper to around Moscow. She said there were like about a hundred of them. Apparently Trunin operates four of them in his four offices. Huh. And he was like, anyone can come by with their paper. Anyone in all of Russia, which is really funny, <laughs> tracking over from Tomsk. Instead of answering Tanya's question, which is how you're going to solve the trash problem, he he, he kind of answers, but he sort of says, like, well, I collect paper. And then Tanya sort of, like, follows up that question by saying, okay, so you're talking about separating trash, so are you trying to solve this problem with recycling? And Trunin says, no, 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 it's recycling. That's a whole other world. like... We're not, we're not talking about recycling, sweetheart. Separating trash. <laughs> then he says, separating trash is what will save us. Wait, so is
0: it, so the general idea is that if you separate the trash and then you only burn the things that are,
2: like, less noxious, then it might be okay. Is that the general thing? Yeah. That's what I'm getting from what he means by ecological. It's like you separate and then you have to burn something and then, like... But the other thing that he said, and it, it is confusing. I'm not, like, trying to, like... Those are my logic over like it didn't make sense is like he did talk about like yeah you just burn less harmful things you separate the organic the metal out and then you just like i guess burn paper or whatever but then since he was also referencing this like paper economy that deputy diana referenced of like people get money to to sort of to like they give their paper to some we're assuming private company and get paid for it the way you would get money back for like recycling cans As you mentioned, then that's incentive for people to collect their paper. So, like, I'm a little bit confused with what happens to the incentive part of this whole process. You mean if like they're just burning the paper at the end? Yeah, and I'm confused. I'm I'm personally confused about like why everyone is getting so intense about the difference between recycling and separating because just for my understanding there there isn't a difference like if you separate things like we separate trash in our house and we recycle it that's like what we do with it what else do you do with it you know yeah anyway trunan's like telling us about all these meetings he has and all these officials he meets and all these like talks he's in and he says like this whole trash separation thing like really pushing it and we think this is actually gonna work out because people right now people being like the officials he's talking with they are like stuck in a corner they like there's so much noise around this issue right now they basically like have to agree to the activist demands yeah they have to do something yeah. so then natasha's like okay so if you're already having these talks with these officials and like it seems like they're gonna get this trust separation initiative moving forward what are we having a meeting about here like is this Meeting for you, is it kind of like a, is it kind of like some kind
4: of form of therapy or something? I would call it a therapeutic, surgical. Meaning, if therapy doesn't help, we'll cut them out and that's it. I mean, in the good sense of the word, like a tumor, right? No extremism meant. So,
2: one thing that was cool about this protest was that overall it kind of felt like very homey almost because it was so small like it was sort of comfortable and after the after the protest was over Natasha and I were joking about that being like she actually brought it up she was like well that was a nice little protest (laughs) like I felt like safe there it wasn't scary and it was just kind of like cozy almost like you just talk to some people and like it had a charm of this like small town charm of like people with megaphones in a tiny center. You know, like I got that even from the pictures.
0: Just like, yeah, people that probably like maybe some of them know each other already, and they're just like, we're gonna go and like t- take this time to talk about this thing and like voice our opinions on it. Oh,
2: they def yeah, they definitely know each other. Yeah, and people and it was nice that people came out from other places like this people you know like people from different places Chekhov, and like the police who were standing around the perimeter were just kind of like bumble standing like they weren't like it just it it didn't have any like threatening vibes that you might get at some protests of like impending violence like none of that Yeah. yeah another thing sort of about the atmosphere that was nice was that like all these different people got up on on to the the steps to to speak like it wasn't just activists, it wasn't just organizers, but it was just, like, regular people. And then you had, like, this mix of these impassioned speeches and these, like, silly speeches, like the Balalaika guy who, well, he's not silly, but, you know, he had, like, he's, like, good rhetoric. He, like, had repetition, and he was good at speech-giving. And in some cases, you had what I would consider something that is, like, appropriate in almost every occasion in Russian culture, someone reciting poetry,
1: Кто-то бессовестно вас обокрал. Не только ваш труд, любовь, досуг. Украли пытливость открытых глаз. Набором истин кормя из рук. Умение мыслить украли у вас. На каждый вопрос вручили ответ. Все видя, не видите вы низги. Стали матрицами газет ваши безропотные мозги. Вручили ответ на каждый вопрос. Одетых и серенько, и пестро. Утром и вечером, как пылесос.
2: First of all, the guy who read the poem is this like scrawny guy in a red shirt, who kind of like he gets up onto the steps and like grabs the megaphone. He's just like, so I thought the best idea would be to recite this poem and then he just like recites it really in that way that you just heard in this like tinny megaphone soviet orator voice yeah i mean i was proud of him i mean he he didn't he didn't had no notes he recited from memory <laughs> i didn't recognize the poem and i looked up the though it, it has like i don't know the rhythm i was like is that like mayakovsky it has the kind of like hammering like soviet rhythm or something mm. but i'm really this is embarrassing for literature students because whatever I'm saying is like doesn't make sense um (laughs) like you know that hammering beat it's like yeah that has a name and you're an idiot (laughs) (laughs) so I looked up the words and it's an English poem that's translated into Russian by a pretty well known Russian Soviet poet named Vladimir Lifshitz and the poem itself is called squares so it turns out there's an interesting little anecdote behind it Lipschitz published this poem in Russian in the 1960s. Okay. He published it in Russian and he says in the annotations to the translation that this is originally a poem by a little-known English poet named James Clifford, who was killed during World War II. Okay. So the part that we heard during the protest, we hear this description of like a kind of... 1984 dystopic mass of people or like a crowd of people at one point they're in the metro and they're just like the faceless mob that just does what it's told and goes about its daily routines and da da da. there's this really nice image in the poem when the reader is being addressed in the second person it's like you're going you're walking and you're walking like this thick caviar you're like one, this like plural as one thing. So anyway, you get the imagery. Given that the poet is this like early 20th century Englishman, readers assume that the imagery is about like the evils of capitalist England and like the industrial horror of capitalism or something. About ten years after Lifshitz, Lifshitz originally publishes this translation in Russian, right? He's doing a collection of his poems and he publishes this poem in it, squares, and he puts in a little annotation to this poem. He changes the annotation to this poem to say that this story of the English poet, the biography of the English poet may have been a figment of my imagination and materialized in the verses. Where's this guy from again? Did you say uh, no? I didn't say. So Lifshitz is actually was born in Kharkov, like Boris Slutsky.
0: Ah, uh, Boris. Cool.
2: Yes. Apparently, a lot of amazing poetry comes out of that city. Do you think?
0: you think he used that like as a cover, so that he wouldn't like used he, he, So it was purely as a cover and not as like some sort of artistic endeavor. Okay, well, I don't know like what it actually was, but I'm <laughs>
2: having studied another
0: poet from this city.
2: What do you think? Well, <laughs> usually Harkovian a poet from Harkov, <laughs> they tend to make up fictional people. <laughs> I, I honestly, my first assumption was that this was like a form of getting around censorship in like an easy way, kind of like, oh, this is, you know, like this is negative capitalist, you know, anti-propaganda or something, right? Mm. Like. but but secretly he's just writing about his own society but he pretends to be this english poet i mean it's kind of brilliant i mean also it's cool because it's just like it's clever i mean what's also really interesting about it is that like um apparently later after liefschitz died he died in 1978 when collections were then republished and the poem was reprinted the annotations that explain you know this James Clifford character at all. Like at first it said he was the author, then it said he may have been a figure of my imagination and then he just disappeared entirely. So over time, Lifshitz just became the author of this poem as he like arguably just is. But um, that the layer is lost and that even like, for me was this little labyrinthian process of finding the poem because I like searched the lyrics or the words and I saw his name first. Like this is his poem. Leaf Yeah. Leaf This is his poem. He's this Russian guy. It's a Russian poem. But then as I like poked around a little more to read about the poem, I like see this name popping up. That's like James Clifford. And I was like, what? And then like, it it was just a very odd experience. And I'm like searching James Clifford in English, like James Clifford squares, like James Clifford poet. And there's just like nothing. (laughs) Because he didn't Well he was
0: a little known poet, Lily.
2: (laughs) Well, yeah, and he died of World War II, so Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I think as you're probably getting from all the people I've talked about, like the organizers, the people on giving speeches and stuff, that like the issue is very much a regional one. You know, like people are mentioning other cities, right? Like not we're not just we're in Lubnia, but we heard like a lot of city names and a lot of different past occurrences and like names of landfills. Right right, 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 right. So the day after the protests, I spoke with a different activist from a town called Voskresensk. And his name is Alexei Holkin. He is a member of the, of the Voskresensk People's Grassroots Initiative that is fighting two things surprise, the construction of yet another trash incineration plant. Near that city, we're actually in it, and the construction of a landfill in in Bosvis. Right. So, yeah, a war on two fronts, as they say, in general, so like separately from this Saturday fourteenth. Alexei said he has been working since two thousand and sixteen. He's been working with other initiatives and activist groups in other cities in Moscow Oblast. And he kind of lays out a really nice big picture of the situation.
1: Фактически борьба будет продолжаться. Мы будем пытаться все-таки э, приостановить стройку или вообще ее постараемся, конечно, отменить строительство сжигать завода. Э, мы находимся в тесном контакте с другими инициативными группами, которые находятся в Коломне, которые находятся в э, Ногинске, на Наро-Фоминске. Э, so,
2: what Alexei says here is that, um, again, the issue at hand, like what happened was that landfills were closed last year. Like a bunch of landfills were closed for monetary reasons, right? Like, someone's making money from that, namely Var- Varbio. and Alexei calls this situation a trash collapse it's a trash collapse Okay, a crisis and he says he calls for a change of direction like a change of paradigm and he says we need to think about this in a different way Specifically, he mentions recycling, so that's a little bit confusing. He's like, the new paradigm is peri So the recycling part, not the, just the separation. And <laughs> I'm just saying, it's a thing. You have to be I know. specific. I know. And he says, like, the solution is not to open new landfills, right? Just not to do that, not to go back to the same old ways, not to open these incinerating plants. But he notes that in the end, like that, those are the two things that the local government wants to do. So that's, that's what we're all fighting for, not to like go back to the old ways. So back at this protest in Lovia, the protest was kind of breaking up. People were packing up their things and leaving. And amidst this atmosphere, someone put this not very well-known World War II song to play on the megaphone.
0: Close the sucker out, huh? Yeah, let's close it. That's the episode. Thank you for listening. As always, subscribe to us on Twitter, Telegram, and Arena at She's in Russia. If you have a call, as if you have a question about Russia, give us a call at plus one, three, four, seven, two, nine, two, seven, one, two, six, and leave a voice message. You can also do that at She's in Russia on Skype. Nobody's going to pick up. You just leave a voice message and we might play it on the show Um, We have a few in the queue right now, but yours will probably get played eventually. Also, be sure to subscribe to our monthly image-based newsletter. And Lily, who do you want to thank for this episode?
2: Thank time. Oh, yeah. Um, This episode was very, very much a collaborative effort. So first of all, I want to thank my amazing companions, uh, Natasha and Tanya, I also want to say a huge thank you to Olya Polykova, who's been on our show before, local St. Petersburg activist who put me in touch with Angelina, who put me in touch with these people. So I basically, they're all those people to thank, those four women. So thank you so much for making this happen, and we're very grateful. <laughs> yes, we are very grateful. And one last thing, Natasha is writing a piece
0: about... The trash issue in general for Open Democracy that I think will be coming out around the 20th. And we'll we'll retweet that and everything, but keep your eyes peeled for that. And we will see you next week with a just nice conversation between me and Lily. to do shortcut is the avenue should i had to move nailed what i had to do don't go to be mad at you i met a two-seater but i told you me when another red light man they young to me see about uh heat up high poppin that biggie was ready to die
2: it's okay if i say obelist right yeah, I think that's how it's pronounced, right? Yeah, it is. But like, people just—this is one of those moments where they're just gonna suck a bag of dicks and realize what that is. Right? Because oh, oh, yep, yep. <laughs>
0: Along with the obelisks, we're providing you a complimentary bag of dicks to suck.
2: <laughs> um, okay. Also so, available
4: in our online store. <laughs> <laughs> I need to okay. get through this. i have so all right, much. All right, all right.